We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dexter Domer says, uh, would you take our current coaching staff or last year's coaching staff going into a game like this? It's this year's coaching staff for a host of reasons, but primarily be because your entire staff, including your head football coach, has a second year of experience together. I love what Jared Parker's done. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously I would love if Coach Eastam was still at Notre Dame. I, you know, you guys know my feelings on Coach Eastam, but give me year two of of Marcus Freeman over year one of Marcus Freeman. Give me year two of this defensive staff together over year one of this defensive staff together. Uh, give me Max Bulla over James Laronitis. And this is no disrespect to James Laronitis, who's a very smart guy. But, you know, year one as a coach versus year four, right? Max Bulla has a lot more experience as a coach. Coach, year, give me year two of Dela McCullough and Chancey Stuckey and Jared Parker over year one of those guys. So that's a no-brainer. Uh, the only The only – Big losses are, are Coach Eastan and and uh, and Brian Mason. Brian Mason's a huge loss, and the special team so far has been very average. So far, it's got to get better. Uh, Coach Eastan's loss is big, but you know I don't really have a lot of complaints with the O line right now. And and tomorrow night's one of those opportunities for for us to be able to look and say, okay, do they really miss Coach Eastan, or hey, you know what, Coach Eastan did a great job you know, getting them out of the Quinn era and setting the stage. And now coach Rudolph has come in and taken that sucker to another level. We're going to find that answer out tomorrow. And uh, hopefully that we, we find out in a positive way that, Hey, you know what? Coach Eastan laid the foundation. Now coach Rudolph is building on it and he's going to keep this thing rolling and take it to another level. That's what you're hoping for. Cajun Iris says, I'm, I'm worried about a block PAT or PAT or field goal could be an issue. Have you noticed how long it takes our kicker to get the ball off? I haven't really noticed it being an issue, to be honest with you. He also has a very high release on it, so it's it's not as big of an issue in that regard either, in my opinion. But I'll pay more attention to it tomorrow, but it's not something that I've that I've noticed. It's like struck. I'm not saying it's not happening or not true. It's just I haven't noticed that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bubba test live. Uh, first Irish first offensive plays an outside run, inside run, or pass. I don't I mean depends on what look you're seeing. I, I for me, I would probably want it to be a, a some kind of run. I'd probably want it to be an outside run. I would want to to let I would want to Ohio State to think, hey, we're we're gonna kind of come at you the same way we have. You know, maybe run a toss or something like that. It would set up a couple other things that I want to do later in the game, but I would probably run the football. Now, if I throw it, it would be off an RPO. If they're going to, you know, give me the the boundary and play off coverage and have that window open, and I can just bang a six yard hitch right into the boundary, or you know, a little quick, you know, screen against off coverage, a little now to the field, you know, a little quick slide to the field off RPO because they're crashing their rover. That's fine, you know, but it would be more of an RPO type look. That's what I would do if it was me. But I mean, I, I don't really care as long as it's effective. You just need that first play to work. And that's the big key. Gideon Rosa, how good do you think Sean Crawford would have been had he not had so many injuries? That is, what what was his projection coming in high school? I mean, you think about this, Gideon. It's a good question. Sean Crawford was a starter on a playoff team after having two knee surgery, ACL injuries, and an Achilles injury. Think about that. Like, for that kid to have the career he had, forget what he could have been, to have the career he had, after suffering Achilles and two torn ACLs speaks volumes about the kind of freaky athlete he was. And he did it at 5'8", 5'9", at the, at the tallest, right? That kid was one of the most unique athletes I've ever seen. Also a great kid, you know, a, a guy that you just really root for, honestly, in a, in a lot of different ways to be successful. Actually, he didn't start on the playoff team because he was uh, the 2018 playoff team. I thought he was, but he was actually injured again that year. Uh, but he did play a ton on that. He was a starter on the 2020 playoff team, but he was a big factor in 2027 or 2017. I mean, and I mean, he, he was, he was a top hundred recruit. I mean, he would have, he would have had issues with size at times, but he was fast. He was physical. He was explosive. And he was, one, he was the one of the most high football IQ DBs Notre Dame has had in a long time. Like his football IQ to me was even better than Julian Love's. That's how good it was, but he just couldn't always get where he wanted to get to. I mean, didn't he run like a four four or something at the at the pro day? 
I, I believe he did. I believe Sean Crawford ran like a four four something at the Notre Dame Pro Day. Give me one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up real quick. Yeah, he ran a he ran a four four seven at Notre Dame's Pro Day. Now you say that's not really all that fast for a DB, guys. He had two torn ACLs and a torn Achilles in his career, and he still went out and ran a four four seven after all that. He was an amazing athlete, but but Sean was a tough kid, and he's a really smart kid as well. And that's what allowed him to still be a good football player, even when he was limited athletically, because, you know, he lost some speed with the injuries, but what really hurt him is he lost a lot of the, the explosiveness and the change of direction. Uh, he lost some of a lot of that when he had the injuries, that's something that hurt him. Our score not, if Notre Dame wins tomorrow, do you predict that to make the playoff? Look, I predict them to make the playoff before the season. So I'm not going to change my mind. If they beat Ohio state, I'll just say this. I'm not worried about the playoff yet if they beat Ohio State there's still some major mountains you've got to climb uh, you've got to show me that you can bounce back from the win and be focused against Duke and Louisville you got to show me that you know Ohio State's one animal one test but Caleb Williams is a whole different animal USC is a whole different animal and and then there's still Clemson there's still Pitt there's still Wake Forest there's a lot of hurdles to clear man mountains to climb pick whatever phrase you want to use Beating Ohio State is a great, great win, but it's just one win. You need 11 or 12 to get to the playoff. It's just one. It means a lot, but it's still just one. You got to handle your business the rest of the way, it, or it doesn't mean as much. I mean, if Notre Dame beats Ohio State and then loses two, three more games, guess what? This Ohio State game gets negated. Ohio State just wasn't that good, right? You've got to handle your business. So I'm just going to enjoy tomorrow if they win. I'm just going to enjoy that for a a couple days and then we can focus on what's next later dexter domer if you win the coin toss do you uh kick or receive i would receive look it just it's it's what i always say it's whatever your your team philosophy is whatever your head coach's philosophy is you know it, it, i don't think there's a right or wrong answer i think this particular team with who Marcus Freeman is, is always seems to have kind of like, hey, we want our defense to establish the 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 tone of the game. So I would imagine Notre Dame would defer uh, to the second half, which would then allow Ohio State to um, obviously would choose to receive because they're not going to choose to kick because then Notre Dame would start both halves with the football. I, see, I saw that once, but uh, you know, I I, I would I would. I believe this team is geared more towards get your defense out there, uh, let them kind of start start things off. That would be what I would assume that they would do. But look, guys, I, I don't care as much about that as other people do. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish and what's the DNA of your football team. I, I've always personally been more partial to let me get the ball and let me go score and go up one nothing. But I'm an awesome offensive coach. Right? I've never been a head coach. I, I look at it as from an offensive coach from a – I've put together this game plan. I don't want to get on the field down 3 nothing or 7 nothing the first time we touch the football. I want them to get on the field the first time they touch the football down 7 nothing, down 3 nothing. Uh, but, but again, that's because I'm an offensive coach. That's why I looked at it that way. I would assume our defensive coordinator felt differently. I would assume our defensive coordinator was like, I don't want to get on the field for the first time when we're already down 7 nothing or 3 to nothing. I want to, I want to come out there and I want to set the tone and I want to get you guys the football with a chance to put us up. And then we can start the second half uh, and go that way. So. Now, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Go Irish asks, how are the refs determined for our games? How do they determine which conference will provide the rest for each game? It's it's always been in the past, and, and this might have changed recently, but I don't believe that it is. 
that the road team has provides the officials. Now, what I what I'm not certain of, and honestly, I haven't asked this because it's usually not something I care a whole lot about, to be completely honest with you, because every every conference has bad officials. Uh, it used to be for where the opposing team would provide their officials. With Notre Dame being a member of the ACC, there have been times, I believe, where we've actually seen ACC officials at home. But that could just be because a lot of those teams were ACC teams. But I believe that the on-field officials usually tend to come from the conference that the team that Notre Dame is playing. So I would un- I would assume, again, this is just an assumption. I don't know for a fact. I would assume that the field officials are going to be Big Ten officials, and then the booth will most likely be ACC officials. That's my understanding. And, um, you know, that's I would assume that would be the case. Brandon Pietz asks, how imperative do you think a fast start is tomorrow? A very. I mean, and Brandon, I would encourage you to listen to our show yesterday. We talked a lot about that. It's big for confidence for you. It's it's going to get the crowd into the game. It quiets the Ohio State crowd. It, it, if you're able to start fast on both sides of the ball and maybe jump up to a 14-0 lead, it puts a little bit of pressure on Ohio State. You know, so yeah, fast starts. I mean, fast start is is huge in football especially when you're playing a team like Ohio State. It's, it's incredibly important. Tatted up Irishman. If Notre Dame and Ohio State is tied at halftime, which coaching staff do you believe is better at halftime adjustments? I, I mean, do we really know right now? I mean, do we, do we really know? Because right now, so far this season, once halftime has come, both of these teams have been up pretty convincingly. You're not making a ton of halftime adjustments. I, I think this this Notre Dame offensive staff has shown some good adjustments the couple times they've needed to. I, I thought they did some really nice things at halftime of the NC State game. You know, Notre Dame came out and, and scored, what was it, 20, um, so 28 points in the second half after only getting 17 the first half. But you also have to look at the Notre Dame game against NC State, and, and they almost kind of like two opportunities for halftime adjustments because of that long delay. They made some adjustments then, and then they come out in the first drive you know, out, they go, you know, go for an 80 yard touchdown. So uh, clearly there were some adjustments made, but, but Notre Dame started to kind of show those adjustments uh, coming out of the first break of that game. Cause if you think about it, that was the, that was Notre Dame's first drive of the second quarter. They, it was nothing, nothing at the end of the first quarter. And then Notre Dame comes out in uh, the next quarter, the, that second quarter and scored 17 points. Uh, so, you know, to me, I, I thought that was an example of that Notre Dame coaching staff showing adjust making adjustments during a break. Now, it wasn't halftime adjustments, but it was adjustments. So actually, I'm sorry, Notre, it was three to nothing. So Notre Dame actually was up three to nothing in the first quarter. They did score in the first quarter. It was three to nothing. But you come out of the halftime break or not the halftime break, but the, the rain delay and you come out on your first drive. And you go 80 yards for a touchdown on that drive. They go down and, and get points. Uh, you, you trade punts a couple times, and then NC State scores late in the half. Uh, Notre Dame had a missed field goal on in that period of time, so they were they were moving the ball a little bit better, a little bit more effectively. And then, of course, they come out and get that touchdown drive. So in halftime, Notre Dame has 263 total yards and 17 points. They had rushed for um, – they'd gone 9 of 16 for 151 yards on the football. They come out in the third quarter, get a touchdown uh, on their first – on their uh, they get a touchdown in the second half. They come out in the fourth quarter, a couple 
turnovers helps them put the game away. So, I mean, I, you know, I think we saw some good adjustments in that game. It didn't always work. The execution was always great. But I thought we saw some good adjustments. I, I thought the defense made some good adjustments in-game uh, in the second half of that game. That's the only opportunity we've really seen to, to see a lot of adjustments. I mean, half time, it's 20 nothing at halftime against Navy. You're not, not, you're not worried about adjustments. It was, what was it, like 42? What was the score at halftime of the Central Michigan game or the uh, East Tennessee State game? Was not then they have like 42 points? Yeah, it was 35 to three at halftime. There's no adjustments being made there. You know, Central Michigan, you had to make some adjustments. I thought the offense came out second half. Uh, you had 21 points at halftime. Came out, scored ten points in the third quarter. You know, you had some missed up, you had some mistakes that hurt you, but I thought the adjustments were good. They were running like this backside power play in the first half. They came out second half, first two plays of the second half, traditional power went right at them, and um, you know, I thought made some good adjustments in the second half. Ohio State hasn't needed a ton of adjustments, you know, so I, I don't know that we really know. And you can say, well, Ohio State's coaching more experience, fine, but this is a different team. Every year is a different different year. Every team's different. So I don't know that we know. It could be a very important part of this game, though. Bobby S., is McCord totally immobile, and how do we use his lack of running threat to our advantage? I don't think he's immobile at all. I, no, Kyle McCord's a, a decent athlete for a pocket passer. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and run a, like a lot of power read. He's not going to run like you know a million read zone plays. He's not going to scramble for 120 yards unless you're just completely undisciplined and, and give him those type of things. But he's not some like stiff back in the pocket who can't move either. And he's got negative. He's got positive yards on the season. You know, he's he's at po- he's at plus ten so far in the season. So, you know, he's not a guy that's just sitting. He's been sacked three times. Let me look at the the numbers. He's been sacked three times. Uh, not not a lot of minus yards, to be honest with you, for for Ohio State those sacks. But he's he's plus on the season. So no, he's not a he's not an immobile kid. And he's the type of kid that if you're not disciplined on third down and you lose contain on rush lanes, he can he can step into the pocket and move the chains. That's where he's dangerous, in my opinion. Uh, how do you lo- use his lack of running threat? I mean, it they don't. It doesn't really impact this game because the way Ohio State plays, the mobile quarterback isn't really a thing. And and I wouldn't be shocked if, if they wanted to get some runs from the quarterback if they throw Devin Brown out there just to mess with Notre Dame since they didn't do it last week, just to give Notre Dame something else to think about. I, I personally wouldn't do it, but it wouldn't shock me if they did it. Uh, Andrew Gilmore says, if you are Marcus Freeman's agent and Notre Dame beats Ohio State, are you calling uh, Pete Bavakwa on Monday morning to discuss a contract extension? I think Notre Dame's admin might be overreactionary from losing Kelly and Love. No, I I wouldn't call Pete Bavakwa because I don't believe Pete Bavakwa is the AD yet. I believe Jack Swarbrick is still the DA, correct? That transition's not happening until later, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But I don't, yeah, I don't believe his transition has, has, has happened yet. Let me just, I got the release here. Um, he, uh, yeah, so Coach uh, Jack, Coach Jack Swarbrick's going to step down in 2024, sometime in 2024. So as of right now, uh, Pete Vavacqua has no authority to negotiate that deal. So if you're going to call, you need to call Jack Swarbrick. If I'm Jack Swarbrick, I would say, great win, great job. You're not getting an extension simply for beating Ohio State. Let's go beat USC and Clemson. I need to finish the season. I, I, I think that would be a that would be a bit of a blunder on Marcus Freeman's agent's part to after one game to make that call and and to try to begin negotiating. I think that would be a mistake. Uh, 
now does that mean you might not shoot some texts have some fun about it sure sure that that could be but you're not you're not beginning to me i wouldn't i wouldn't dude you're not paid to go five and zero at notre dame you're paid to win a championship you're not even halfway through the season call me after usc maybe then we might start talking about scheduling a meeting after the season and that would be it and i would hope that marcus freeman's not on the phone hey Go give me a pay raise. I think Marcus Freeman's got much bigger things on his mind. Jordan Rangel asks, uh, what is the individual versus individual matchup you are most looking forward to that may have a significant outcome on the game? Well, I've talked a lot about the guard play, so I'll go with something different here on this one. Um, I'm really curious to see how the Notre Dame receivers stack up against the Ohio State DBs. The, Ohio State res- the Notre Dame receivers have been very good complementary players so far, but they have not shown themselves to be game changers. And and yes, I know they did last week, but that's Central Michigan. This is a whole different animal. I liked CMU's corners for the MAC. They're not playing at Notre Dame. I mean, they're not playing at Ohio State or Notre Dame or the better teams in the schedule. They're not. They're they're sitting on the bench. Can you do what you did last week against Denzel Burke? Can you do it against Davison? Can you do it against Jordan Hancock? Can you do it against Josh Proctor? Can you do it against Lathan Ransom? That's a, still a TBD, in my opinion. So that's the individual matchup to me that that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to early. Ethan ba- ba- Bodnord, thank you, Ethan. Love the show. Keep up the great work. I have a great feeling about tomorrow. It's going to be special. Go Irish. I hope you are right. Nathan Lytle says, when the Irish win tomorrow night, who gets the game ball on offense or defense? Well, Nathan, we did this yes- in yesterday's show. Uh, so if you want to hear a breakdown as to why, listen to our game prediction show. If you if you go if you're subscribed to our podcast channel, we have the game prediction show. So just so you guys know, because I hear people crying about this sometimes, and uh, you know you guys don't break your shows down on YouTube, okay? Well, we we have we use YouTube differently. We do YouTube for our live shows. We break down our shows on our podcast app. So we'll take like yesterday we have a keys to victory on offense is one pod. We have our keys to victory on defense is one pod. We have the intro period where we talk about what's at stake for Notre Dame is a different pod. And then our game predictions is another pod with our, our mailbag on that particular one. So like this mailbag will probably break down into three or four different parts. Usually we go apart per hour. So the podcast apps, so the Irish breakdown podcast app, you can find it on all your podcast platforms. That's the best place to get them when they're broken down. So I would encourage you to listen to that or watch yesterday's video and find it. Uh, where we talk about why, but my prediction was uh, either Tobias or Tyree. I believe it was Tobias or Ty- no Sam Hartman on offense, and it was Jordan Patel on defense. That's who mine was yesterday. Joe Papiti asks, uh, I just can't help but think that this game will come down to a our O line, especially versus the blitz, which I think Ohio State will dial up, and also how well our linebackers play. Thoughts, Joe? I, I look to win a game like this. It's going to come down to a lot of things. These things right here are. A-list things. The offensive line's got to play well. they got to handle the pressures. They've got to play straight up. I do think there will be times that Ohio State's going to be challenging our name, say, hey, we don't think you're better than us, so we're, we're not we're going to pressure, but we're not going to be exotic and do crazy stuff the whole game because we think we can beat you with our front four. I think Ohio State will test Notre Dame in that regard, and Notre Dame's got to handle it. And Because the more that they kick Notre Dame's butt with four, the more they're going to do it. And that makes it a lot harder to throw the ball. It makes it harder to get the ball outside. It does. It just hurts your whole offense. You need to force them to start bringing pressures. That's what you need to do. And and then on the other side, the linebackers got to play well in coverage and run game. They've got to they've got to hit home on blitzes. 
I mean, Al Golden runs a linebacker-centered, linebacker-focused defense. And if your linebackers don't play well and your defense is built around them, it's a bad sign. Very bad sign. The history expert, replace Sam Hartman with 2005 Brady Quinn tomorrow. Are you more confident in the game, less confident, or about the same? It's so hard to answer this question. And, and I get where you're coming from, but like it's hard for me to to go back to where Brady Quinn was in 05 in game five. You know, like like did we view Brady Quinn then after game five the same way that we do now? I I don't I don't know that we did. You know, I mean Brady threw for 227 yards against Pitt, touchdown and, and a pick. You know, they ran the ball on Pitt. He only threw for 140 yards and two touchdowns against Michigan. You know, he threw for 487 yards and five touchdowns against Michigan State, but they lost that game. Did well against Washington the next week. Went 25 of 37 for 327 yards and one touchdown and a win. So at that time, so then going into game five against Purdue, Purdue to me was sort of his really big breakout game. He threw for 443 touchdowns and a night road night game on ESPN against a Purdue team that at the time I believe was ranked. He went 29 of 36. And then, of course, the next week he played really well against uh, against USC. But for me, it's like at that time, was Brady Quinn better after four games in 2005 than what Sam Hartman has shown himself to be, not just now, but throughout his career? Sam Hartman's been the better player. I mean, Brady Quinn was coming off of a year in 2004, you know, where he, honestly he wasn't that great of a player. I mean, he had he had good talent. But Notre Dame was not a very good team. You know, Brady, I thought, played well in the in the what's it the was it called like the insight.com bowl or something like that. Some kind of whatever whoever they played against uh, uh Oregon State that year. But you know, Brady the year before threw for 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 10 picks. In his career coming into 05, Brady Quinn had 26 touchdowns and 25 intercept 25, 26 passing touchdowns and 25 interceptions. So after four games of 20, 2005. I don't know that we knew that Brady was who he became at that point in time yet. So trying to look at it from that standpoint, I'd go with Sam Hartman easily. If you say what we knew that Brady Quinn to be, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I just feel like going with, with Brady would be disrespectful to Sam. And I think Brady would tell you that it's like, this is Sam, this is Sam's team. This isn't my team. And, and I just feel like it'd be a little disrespectful to Sam. Let's give Sam Hartman his chance to, to, to have that money game. Cause like this is Sam's USC moment, you know, and, and Brady did, and, and I don't fault Brady Quinn for Notre Dame losing that game. I mean, Brady Quinn did everything he could do to win that game. I mean, let him on a late drive. They got a lead with a couple minutes left and, you know, did everything he needed to do through a big pass to Anthony Stovall or Anthony Fasano that should have got him you know down the field for a chance to put even more distance on him and the ball gets stripped out and, so I thought Brady Quinn played his butt off that game. They still lost, you know, so I, this is Sam's team, and I want to see what Sam can do with it, to be honest with you. Robert Matejic, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, Robert. Uh, regarding scheduling, is long-term prognostication possible? Do ADs consult coaches project uh, advantageous ma- project advantageous matchups? Can administration short-term revenue goals trump long-term vision? Many things. On the latter part, absolutely. Because a lot of times that's all that they're focused on. A good AD is not. A good AD is going to talk to the head coach and say, hey, look, 
talk to me about what we need. You know what? Because not every head coach is going to say, hey, schedule me a bunch of garbage. A good head coach is going to say, hey, listen, I, I want to play the first month of the season, somebody really good, but but let's try to have it, you know, be week four, you know, week three. Don't have me have a, a huge rough road game. But, you know, to, there needs to be some some method to the madness of who you schedule. But at the same time, I mean, financial considerations also have to be taken into account. And, you know, especially when you're trying to, you're like Notre Dame, you're trying to make sure your TV company is happy. You got to make sure you're looking at home schedules and home slates saying, hey, you know, projecting six years from now, boy, I don't know what kind of team this team and this team and this team is going to be, but I do know this, you know, so if it's, if we're talking, this is 2016 and you're looking forward to scheduling your 2023 schedule, you're like, I don't know how good, you know, USC is going to be because they weren't good at the time. Their fan base is kind of fickle. I don't know how good, you know, Central Michigan's not very good. So that's going to be more of a, of a tune-up game. And so is Tennessee State. Let's say you knew that. You know, I don't I don't know how good Pitt's going to be. I don't know how good Wake's going to be. But you know what? I don't care how good they are. That Ohio State, that's going to be a big audience, right? So if you're trying to schedule it because I got a TV partner that I need to keep happy that we're going to be, you know, our contract's going to end around that time. Yeah, that stuff has to matter. It has to matter. You can't just give your your football team a bunch of garbage home games in the era that we live in. You have to be thinking about those type of things. But you can't just look at those things with the at the expense of the football team either. So it can't just be the head coach has all the say, and it can't just be that the AD has all the say. They have to work together in order to make it really work, in my opinion. The game Notre Dame fans have been waiting for all season is here as the Fighting Irish get ready to play the Ohio State Buckeyes. And if you're still looking for tickets to this titanic battle, game time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. Illinois Irish 82. Do you expect any verbal commitments coming out of the weekend? I, I wouldn't say we're going in expecting any, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get a couple. Uh, you know, again, I, I I'm not going to say okay, this guy, this guy, and this guy. I think we're going to have verbal commitments this weekend. I'm not saying that, but. I do think there's some kids on campus that are very high on Notre Dame that have been in sort of potential decision-making mode for a while that a good visit this weekend, and not even a win, just a good visit this weekend could solidify things in my opinion.
VW804 with a question. Brian, if you were Jared Parker or Al Golden, would you study the Ohio State and Michigan game from last year or implement some of the things that Michigan did to defeat Ohio State? I, I've been asked this a bunch this week. And, and honestly, I'd study it to a certain degree. And there may be certain philosophical things that I take out of this. But guys, this is not the same Ohio State team. Notre Dame, just like Notre Dame's not the same team. It, like, would we all agree that if if Ohio State went back and put a lot of emphasis on the Clemson game, that that'd be very good for Notre Dame? Why would we say that? Because like this is a completely different team, completely different team. So like if Ohio State was like, look, man, I want to know what Clemson did to hold this Notre Dame offense to down to 21 points and only 85 passing yards. And I want to know what Notre Dame did to run for a bunch of yards that game. I want to know. And I'm going to study that game because I want to find out like what they did because we need to make sure we don't make the same mistake. We'd say, well, that's not going to help you a whole lot because last year they ran duo 87 million times and Notre Dame only runs duo three, four times a game now. And, you know, they, they only threw for 85 yards because of who the quarterback was. And all. You say, no, Notre Dame's a way different team now. Well, so is Ohio State. They don't have C.J. Stroud at quarterback. Uh, their defense is different. You're in year two now of that of this defensive system. He's run it differently so far. So are there are am I going to study it? Sure, you'd be foolish not to study what they did at the end of the year last year. But what you want to do is you want to try to find some things that are okay. They're not showing this this year, but based on the structure of what they're doing, this is still something that I believe is in Jim Knowles's bag, and we got to be prepared for it. Uh, there's other things that you're like, dude, they did this last year, but this year they'd have been they're it'd be so out of character for them to do this. We're not going to worry about it. And it would be more of a tendency type of thing. I'm not building my scheme around it. I'm not building my game plan around it. I'm not saying, well, this is what Michigan did. So let's replicate that because they are very different football teams. Notre Dame is different from Michigan. And this Ohio State team is not like last year's Ohio State team. Would we all agree that Notre Dame is a much different team now than they were even in November of last year? I think we would all agree that they are. So same with Ohio State. So I'm just not putting a lot on that Michigan game from that regard. Now, are there there things that Michigan did that you can carry into it? Yes, but that's more about you being you, being good in the first half, right? So I said this before, you know, Michigan was able to come out, establish a line of scrimmage, keep the points down, philosophical things. That's true against Ohio State now. It'll be true next year. It'll be true the year after that. Have early success. Get your run game going. Be balanced and make early stops. That's true against Ohio State, Duke, USC. Georgia, those things are philosophically true. Michigan didn't come out and do something unique or different from Ohio State. Michigan came out and said, we're going to play our football. And they had built their team to be kryptonite to Ohio State. We're going to be like, and and this has been said nationally. We've said on our show, and it's very true. The mistake Ryan Day made is, in my opinion, when it comes to Michigan, is he stopped worrying about Michigan being a driver of what he was building. And to a degree, you understand it. They won 14 out of 15. But it's turned out to bite him in the butt a little bit. And he said, we're going to build our team to go beat Georgia and Alabama. Which I understand. You're trying to win a championship. You're trying to beat Clemson. You're trying to beat Georgia, Alabama. But Michigan said, we're going to build our team to beat Ohio State. And so we're going to be physical. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. Because these are things that Ohio State struggles with. Or they're not great at. Or we can be great at. And then within his philosophy of Jim Harbaugh's philosophy, he built that. And that's why you've seen Ohio State be really good against Penn State and Ohio State, but then not look great in the playoff game. 
and and that's just kind of where where it is and where 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 it goes. So I just I just think they were true to who they are. Notre Dame needs to be true to who they are. And then where those two things are similar, there are things that we will see from Notre Dame that you may say, hey, boy, that looks a lot like what Michigan did. Michigan did, but it's not because Notre Dame necessarily got it from the Michigan game plan, but it's more about this is who we are, that's who they are, and we ex- we we played our game and executed our game effectively because a lot of things that Notre Dame wants to do are similar. Play great defense, make stops, be disruptive, uh, run the football, throw the ball vertically. A lot of those things are already naturally who Notre Dame likes to be, and so that's why you may see some similarities, but it's it's going to be more about that than it will be trying to do what Michigan did to Ohio State. You're Notre Dame. You don't need to repeat that. You need to play your game. That's the key. Christopher Crosby says, I'll be listening later, uh, be listening back later, heading to South Bend. See you all tomorrow. Tell AG to let Howard Cross lose on the OSU interior line. Christopher, I hope that we'll see you at the tailgate, man. So safe travels coming into South Bend. Robert Bishop says, Brian, do you think a strong Notre Dame performance and hopefully a win might make Justin Scott uh, rethink his decision, or do you feel like he is a, a solid oh, is a solid Ohio State commit? I do not think Justin Scott's a solid Ohio State commit, but I don't think that that necessarily means Notre Dame is going to be the team to flip him. I've said this before. Notre Dame was not second, and I think you can even argue they weren't third when Justin Scott made his decision. If he's not on campus this weekend, I would pretty much move on, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, he's at a game wearing Georgia gloves. Once kids start playing those kind of games – you got to ask yourself, is this kid really serious about the things that Notre Dame wants anymore? I think at, a, at one time, Justin was. Is he now? I don't know. I don't know. But if he's not at the game this weekend, then it's time to move on, in my opinion. And and honestly, if all of a sudden now he wants to look at you because, uh, you know, like let's say it comes down to what your, what your conversation has been like. Has he been receptive to you? Has he been engaged with you? Does he still talk to you? Or does he play like hard to get and doesn't really respond to you? If you beat Ohio State and he hasn't been responding to you and hasn't been engaging with you, but now he wants to jump on the bandwagon, I'm good. Run along. If he has been engaging with you, if he has shown interest, if he has still kept that relationship going, and then he shows the interest, then I'm okay with that because I think that Justin has said, I want to I want to play for a championship. And, and if Notre Dame can beat Ohio State, it, it's saying, hey, you know what? Notre Dame can be that team. But as long as the relationship is there, then I'm, I'm okay. Come on, buddy. We love you. But if, if he hasn't been talking to you for a while, then I would just move on, in my opinion. Jacob Watkinson asks, what unit do you think has to play well for Notre Dame to win? For me, I think it's the DBs. I really think they can match up with the Ohio State receivers. I mean, that's important, right? It, it is, and I talked about that in an article today. But at the end of the day, I, I'll always say this. The best way to stop a really good passing team is to dominate them in the trenches. Don't let the quarterback get comfortable. Bat balls down. Pressure him. Make him make mistakes. Uh, a lot of times incompletions can happen more because of a great of, of great pressure than a, a great coverage against a team like this. And because if the quarterbacks come from the pocket, you can have you can have great great position on Marvin Harrison. And if the quarterback's comfortable in the pocket, he can throw a dime back shoulder and he just puts his six four arms and goes up and makes a play on you. And there's nothing you can do about it. But if that quarterback tries to do that same play while you've got a guy hitting him in the face, then that ball's underthrown. And now all of a sudden Benjamin Morrison or Jaden Mickey or Cam Hart or, or Christian Gray picks it off. So it's more about up front. That's the big thing for me. It's the Notre Dame D-line. If the Notre Dame D-line is dominant tomorrow for 60 minutes, that 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 will have a bigger impact on any – like if, if you could say, Brian, you can only pick one – unit that's just going to dominate tomorrow everybody else will play good but just one's going to dominate 
and you can guarantee that that one unit dominates, who would it be? It's the Notre Dame D-line, and it's not even close. There's not a close second. Number two is an offensive line, but it's not close. And I just, I truly believe that. That's the greatest kryptonite to Ohio State. And any really great offense is if you can dominate them in the trenches. And and Ohio, guess what? Ohio State's going to have the same – if I was covering Ohio State and I was looking at this Notre Dame team scoring 46 points a game and they got Audrick Estime and Benjamin Mo- and uh, Sam Hartman and all these guys, what's the one thing you say to do? Dominate them up front. Dominate their guards. Dominate their center. Kick Blake Fisher's butt. You know, like – I'm having the same game plan, and and that's what Notre Dame should do, in my opinion. P. Irish guy says outside of Notre Dame's receivers uh, and Ohio State, Notre Dame versus Ohio State receivers, which matchup is most intriguing? Well, I already just it's the it's the D line one, so I'm gonna give you another one. And I said this a little bit earlier, it's the Notre Dame receivers against Ohio State DBs. That's that's it for me. Irish Mills five four zero about to hop on a plane to South Bend, first time since 2016. Man, let's go. Ryan, what is your take on the good on good in this matchup? Notre Dame O-line versus Ohio State D-line, Ohio State receivers versus NDDBs, et cetera. I did a whole show on this uh, Wednesday, like a whole section of a show on this on Wednesday. I talked about Notre Dame's run game versus Ohio State's pass game and all that kind of stuff, uh, or or run defense, all that kind of stuff. So uh, real quickly, I'll just do this. Notre Dame's O-line versus Ohio State D-line. That is a good on good matchup, right, like you said. Um, what is my take on it? I don't really have a take on it other than my concern is Notre Dame's strength is their tackles. Ohio State matches up better inside. That, that They've got to play well there. Uh, if Notre Dame can't play well up the middle, they're going to have a hard time in this game. I don't care how well the tackles play. Uh, the other matchup, Ohio State receivers against Notre Dame's DBs, again, it, it's it's important. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to tackle well. You've got to not have blown coverage. Make them work, earn their yards. Make them work for their yards. Uh, but the biggest thing is going to be it's not the good on goods. Like in the good on, here's the thing about good on good matchups it's just hold your water. Just hold your water, right? You win some, they win some. Hold your water. The difference is going to be okay, where, what can you do it in the matchups where maybe you're not as good as them and you can neutralize it? So right now, Ohio State's thinking we can, we have an advantage because we can stop their receivers with our DBs. Well, if the Notre Dame receivers say, no, you can't. That's advantage Notre Dame because now their strength is no longer a strength. As far as their perceived strength over you, it's no longer a strength. Uh, You've also then got to thrive in the areas where you should dominate a matchup. So that's why the front seven is so important. The the front line is so important. You should have an advantage over the Ohio State offensive line. And if the Ohio State offensive line is able to neutralize that advantage, that's advantage Ohio State now because you were supposed to dominate that matchup neutralize which helps neutralize the receivers but now they're working on you they're putting work on you in this area now you are at a disadvantage in my opinion so those are the matchups that i care most about to be honest with you ryan rush how do you do you rank kyle mccord as a recruit coming out of high school adam is a top borderline top 100 guy more like closer to 150 like 125 i like kyle mccord coming out the only reason he was kind of outside the top 100 for me is he's not a real like elite physical tools guy. I just like him. He's smart. Uh, he's He was accurate. You know, I know he had a great receiver in high school because he threw to Marvin Harrison Jr., but I liked him. He was he was mobile like and, and mobile for a pocket passer. Uh, good body, you know, good size. You're not great size, but good size. You know, good enough arm, uh, willing to throw the ball down the field. Good feel for the game. I liked Kyle McCord a lot coming out. I 
I had him outside the, just outside the top 100. And, it, and a lot of it just had to do because he didn't have elite physical tools. But I, I'm very pro Kyle McCord. He's just more of a guy that you need to build around as, a, as opposed to a guy that you build on. And, and that's, um, that's kind of always been my thing with him. Carlos Garza. Carlos says, if our D starts to look shaky, do you think Coach Freeman steps in or starts to have more input in the game? I will. It would just depend on on why. If you don't feel your D coordinator sticking to the plan, then maybe. But look, you hired these guys to do a job. You do the job, you know. And if they don't do the job, then you address it after the game. Because we've seen co- head coaches jump in, and it's like, dude, you're making it worse. You weren't in all these meetings. You weren't. You don't know the checks. You don't know these type of things. Like you're not ready to do that. Um, that would be my. That would be my concern. That'd be my concern. Tristan Paul asks, "Do you think this USC at home or Clemson away will be our hardest game thus far?" Look, man, Tristan, I'm worried about this game. Right, right now, this is going to be Notre Dame's hardest game of the season. Right now, like up to this point, it's be the hardest game of the season. Let's see how Notre Dame plays this week. I'm not worried about USC. I'm not worried about Clemson right now. I'm not worried about Duke. I'm not worried about Louisville, Pitt, Wake Forest, Stanford. I'm worried about Ohio State. You got to beat Ohio State first, right? And and uh, and then we'll worry about the next game. But right now, what's in front of them, Ohio State, is without question their toughest test of the season. Jacob Watson asks, do you think Notre Dame needs to establish the pass before the run to keep Ohio State off the run so much? Look, guys, if they – like here's the thing. If they can establish the run – then it doesn't matter if Ohio State's trying to stop their run. If, if they're trying to stop your run like Clemson did and you're still running, then you don't need to pass us up the run. I think practically speaking, they will they will likely have to have success throwing the football to protect the run game. I believe that's practically how it's going to play out, but I don't think they have to do that, right? I mean, what they have to do is find a way to run the football, whether that's using the pass game to soften it up, whether that's, you know, using some some motions to try to get Ohio State like moving to get them to check. You know, do you do some shifts? Do you do some motions? Do you do some some action with your backfield? Do you some do you some reverse smokes? Then maybe you do a reverse. Do you run an early reverse just to kind of get them thinking, saying, "Hey, you guys can't just tee off on this." Do you you know do you do like a read zone early? Do you do some RPO? I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to protect your run game. The key is you got to establish a run game. And if Ohio State is going to flat out be fully committed to the run game, then yes, you're going to need to find ways to to hurt them, whether it's with a reverse, whether it's with a jet, whether it's with an RPO, whether it's with a bootleg, whether it's with a design pass. I mean, NC State was committed to stopping the run. So what was one of the things that Notre Dame did to break that game open? They ran a play action out of 13 personnel and just threw a little slide route to, to Holden Stace, and he caught the ball a yard down the field and then ran 39 more yards for a touchdown. If they're going to sell out in that type of situation, sure, do that. But they also got to find a way to run the football. There's there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Beefeater asks, Brian, if I'm in South Bend during the next 24 hours and an Ohio, Ohio State fan asks me where to eat, where should I send them to make sure they are not well enough to uh, – <laughs> that's so messed up. Well, you know I've, you know where I've had my issues, Beefeater. You're on a board. You know where I've had my issues. But, no, I would never, ever say something like that to disparage another local business owner. Um, Sorry, man. I can't help you there, but that's kind of funny. P Irish guy, is it me or did Ryan Day look not very confident during his press? You know, it's kind of funny is other people are saying he looked condescending and, and disrespectful to Notre Dame, and now you're saying he didn't look confident. Uh, I think Ryan Day looked like he always looks. And I don't mean that disrespect. 
think he looked like he always looks. I don't think he looked cockier than normal. I didn't think he looked less confident than normal. I just thought he looked like he always looks. Andre Tonsil, the efficiency on offense and be efficient on offense and have a dominant defense within the structure of the play. Thoughts? You nailed it, Andre. I mean, you and I are on the same page, man. You and I are on the same page. You got to be efficient on offense, have a dominant defense, and then make some big plays. But that comes from a lot of times the efficiency. V-Dub 804, Brian, do you think any of the rookie receivers can make the difference that can help Notre Dame win tomorrow? Sure, they can. Sure, of course. If, I mean, yeah, they can. Do I think they can? Uh, sure. We've already seen it. I mean, Jaden Jaden Gray has only caught like one ball past the line of scrimmage against NC State. It's a pretty important ball. You know what I mean? It's a touchdown that turned a 10-7 to game where NC State started to finally get some money. I remember this. Like People saw oh, it was a close game. It was 10-7 at one point. It was 10-7 to for less than a minute. I mean, let's think about that. It was 10 to 7 for less than a minute. Notre went right down the field. It was 10, it was 10 nothing the whole second quarter. You know, you you got you, you kicked a field goal on, on your on your final position of the first quarter. It's bledded in the second quarter. Your first full possession of the second quarter is an 80-yard touchdown run. It was 10 nothing the rest of the way. You had you committed like four penalties, which gives NC State the ball and, and they score, and your offense scores in less than a minute back to make it 17 to 7. So, like, it was one of those things where it, it wasn't as close to people made it out to be. However, if Jaden doesn't make that play, it's not 17 to 7. Maybe, maybe they've got to run a couple other plays and they don't score and they've got to sell for a field goal. So he made a big play and, and he made a big some big plays against Navy. So these those kids are more than capable. I mean, Jeremiah Love is capable of making a play. Cooper Flanagan may be on some sort of like trick play where you're, you know, you're in 14 personnel and they're selling out and you delay and release Cooper Flanagan or something down the field. I mean, I could see something like that, uh, but you trust these kids. That's why you're putting them on the field. And because you're putting them on the field, you've got to be trust, be willing to trust them and say, look, if I'm an 11 personnel and I got Jaden Greenhouse on the game or I'm in 12 or 11 and I got Rico Flores in the game and that's the read and that's where we go, I got to throw it to them, throw it to them with conviction. Otherwise kids shouldn't be on the field. And the reason they're on the field is because they have made those plays. And when they've gotten their chances, I mean, Rico was getting interfered with almost the entire time on that deep ball early, and he still made the play. It was a great catch, great ball, great catch. And Jaden's, you know, had that one he didn't quite get this past week, but other than that, he's been pretty solid, pretty solid. They're very talented kids, and and the staff clearly trusts him. Ryan Rush asks, uh, do you think NC State covers tonight at Virginia? I would assume so. Virginia's not very good. And and I think this is a good NC. I think this is a good NC State team. Now, if NC State does not win this game tonight, then I will maybe think twice about how good NC State actually is. But I I anticipate them winning this game and winning this game convincingly. To be honest, I mean, guys, through three games, Virginia's being outscored forty-two to twenty. They lost to Tennessee forty-nine to thirteen. As we found out, Tennessee's not that good this year. Maryland beat them forty-two to fourteen, and then they lost at home to James Madison. Tennessee stink or Virginia stinks. So I fully anticipate NC State going on the road tonight and convincingly beating them. I do. I'll be shocked if they don't, to be honest with you. Andrew Gilmore, have you been following the Brian Ferentz Iowa saga? His contract requires Iowa to average 25 points in order to keep his OC contract at Iowa. I have seen that. Uh, we've made some jokes about that, Andrew, and, and um, he may have a hard time getting there. I mean – he is a really awful offensive coordinator. He really is. They're at 28.3 right now. 
and they've played two of their three worst opponents already in Utah State and Iowa State, and they scored twenty four and twenty in those in those two games. Uh, three of their, 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 their three of their four worst opponents, and then they scored forty one against Western Michigan, who is not very good. Uh, Western Michigan gave, lost to Syracuse forty eight to seven. Western Michigan stinks, uh, so he may not get there. And and um, I mean, you just watch him. It's just there's there, it's everything is slow. Not just because their players are slow, but it's just slow. It's not creative. He doesn't really play to their strengths. The offensive line's taken a huge step back in recent years under him. He's not a very good coach. And I hate to say that, and I don't mean any disrespect by it, but he's just not a very good coach. There's no evidence that he's a good football coach right now. That's why I laughed. There was a couple years ago when Notre Dame was trying to hire um, replace Chip Long. There's actually people in the recruiting world who were trying to push Brian Ferentz as a candidate in Notre Dame. This is ridiculous. 